0: Hey, it's Tom Panos here with John McGraw, Million Dollar Agent. John, that's the bit you always love, me saying it, isn't it?
1: I love it. You almost sing it. Oh, it's, just, it's great. It okay. makes my day.
0: Okay. How's your week been? Good?
1: Yeah, really good. We actually had a uh, company presentation in the last few days, and uh, it was good to get everyone together. And the energy is important, you know, and as a brand or an office, even if it's one office, you've got to try and get everyone on the same page. So we presented our three-year forecast, some of our initiatives that are key for this year, how we did last year and, and it's kind of good just brings everyone together so for principals that are listening or sales managers I think make sure that everyone on your team is singing from the same hymn sheet and they're all aligned as to where you're going and how you're going to get there because it does bring the culture together
0: so those uh, that's the power breakfast yeah yeah because I uh, I did talk to some people yesterday and they told me there was a bit of a buzz I mean they people always leave um that morning with a bit of a buzz, and it's a morning thing, isn't it, John? Yeah,
1: we do it for a few hours, and we sort of try and get them. To, as the company gets bigger, obviously, it gets harder geographically. So, we're doing a Queensland one and a, and a New South Wales ACT one. But um, there's nothing like getting people excited and giving them information. And we had a great keynote speaker, a guy that had got called Michael Crossland. Right. Who anyone looking for a great inspirational speaker, I recommend you look him up on on YouTube but uh, he'd been through an enormous amount of personal uh, challenges, um, uh, illnesses uh, had, he was diagnosed with basically terminal cancer when he was one year of age they told his parents he won't live for terribly long and here he is at 29 years of age a great success, he's represented in Australia in baseball he's a very successful professional business person and his health you know, at the moment isn't much better, he still says he has health issues but Um, It's just amazing story so you walk out of there Tom and you feel wow, I lost a deal yesterday and I was kind of in a bad mood And I'm thinking there are some people that got incredibly bad news and you would know exactly what that's about when from a health perspective I really need to snap out of it and and put my life in perspective as to what's important and You know uh, most people get upset and disappointed over stuff that really shouldn't even hit the radar So it was a good message.
0: Yeah, I know, John, and I think it's, you know, a great line I once read, and I don't know who it came from, but it was, uh, next time around, they'd had an illness, and they said, next time around, I have this golden opportunity to look at life with a different set of eyes, whether it's a traffic jam, missing out on a flight, having a disagreement with someone. Second time around, these things don't really matter that much.
1: Yeah, exactly right. So, yeah, it was really good. Uh, I agree with that.
0: Okay, so what's happened now, John, is people are back at work, people have listed property, campaigns have begun. People now are in real estate mode doing open homes. And today I thought we would talk about a subject that is happening in a lot of February. There is open homes all over Australia at the moment. And I want to talk about world-class open homes and what does it look like and what does a bad open home look like and what our listeners can do, which there's an average of 5,200 every episode, Troy tells us, that gets the stats. So hopefully they're going to walk away or drive away or work out in the gym with five or ten ideas to make their next open home sensational.
1: Yeah, and I'd add to that Tom, I hope people are doing what you said, doing open homes, because I know there has been a section of the market that for a period of time has probably not embraced open homes and thought they were a bad thing. My view is that open homes used for the right property in the right circumstance are a magnificent way of selling a property. The number of properties over the years that that I have sold to people that wouldn't have looked at it unless it was an open home. They came past, they saw the sandwich board out the front, they said, look, we wouldn't have normally looked at this because it's not a street that we like, but now that we're here and you made it easy to come through, we're just, we love it. And I think the easier you can make it to get people through a home, it must then go to say that you're going to get more buyers and better prices over the long term. So I love private appointments. Um, but I also love open homes. So if someone hasn't been in the process of, or in the habit of doing open homes, I really want you to check that out because I think that they're a fantastic tool. So we'll we'll talk about how to do a good one, but first thing is make sure you're doing them.
0: Okay, John, you used open homes when you were building your own real estate career. Open homes was a very, very good way, and I've remembered hearing you speak about how you not only were able to sell more properties, get more buyers through so let's be very clear to our listeners the fundamental reason why you run an open home is to serve the vendor sell the property to sell the property and give them lots of options to potentially see a buy appointment but you're also working in just making it easy for people to view property one of the byproducts of that is that there are people that that are also selling in the process There are people that are also potential vendors that rock up to an open home and uh, you made a really interesting point just before we went on air and that is the listing presentation doesn't necessarily begin when you go to do a listing presentation.
1: Oh yeah, I think if you're an agent out there and you think that the vendors start checking you out at the listing presentation, that's incredibly naive. People are checking you out, they're looking at your office from the street, they're looking at your ads in the paper, they're visiting you at Open for Inspections, they're talking to friends who have used your services or bought or sold through you recently. So, uh, you know, let's get real. The community that is, or the part of the community is thinking of selling, are checking you out right now, whether you know it or not. In fact, you don't know it. So that's not the only reason to be on your game at all times, I just think you should be on your game at all times, full stop. But from purely a commercial point of view, if you're not doing brilliant inspections and brilliant appointments and brilliant auctions, you're missing out on listing opportunities because if someone walks away with no impression or a poor impression of what you've done, that's, like, that's just bad business.
0: Yeah, John, with an open house, it's the actual true test drive of you as a as a person and the experience that you can provide because just like someone gets into a car and drives a car, uh, what they're doing with an open house is the way that you're representing that vendor is the way you're going to represent the next vendor. I mean, it's really hard to actually just keep faking things. I mean, you are who you are. And one of the things that comes through in an open house is you as a human being. Um, I want to touch on, are there takeaway points that you can start going on to our uh, listeners that can really help improve the quality of their open homes.
1: Yeah, and, and just to follow on your point first, Tom, I think you're right. That's the most authentic snapshot of you. If I'm a vendor and I'm thinking of using you or one of your competitors, the best way to check out how you really are is when you don't know I'm selling. So vendors are pretty smart. They know that. They know that you're gonna be like on your best behavior at a listing uh, appointment and you're gonna be focused and listening and providing them service because there's potentially a great result for them. But how are you at the fifth open for inspection, Saturday afternoon at four o'clock, and how are you treating people, and how are you following, and do you ring them back on Mondays, for example? So, I mean, I love the way you talk about world-class, because for us, everything is the benchmark, is world-class, world-best. As good as it can be, that's our benchmark. So, a world-class open for inspection, I think the first thing is, you need a system. You need a set of guidelines, you need a set of standards. So a couple of things that come to mind for me, and you and I briefly chatted before around this is, you know, it doesn't start Saturday morning at 10.15. It actually starts Friday afternoon when you get yourself and your tools, keys, brochures, contracts ready. Because I've seen agents running around like a chook with their head cut off on a Saturday morning, stressing out, where's the keys, where are the brochures? I need that, who took the contract? You need to be mentally prepared as though you're going for a grand final, football game or a hockey game on a Saturday. So Friday afternoon you need to be ready. I always had a checklist and most of my team use what is effect was my old checklist of all the things. The things I've just mentioned, you know, keys are obvious, but you know, contracts and brochures and whole range of other things that you may want to have with you as a tool for that. So that's really critical. And then it goes on to Friday night and we chatted about well, you know, the rest of Australia can kind of do whatever they want. They don't work weekends, but we do. Saturday's game day. So you know, if you're a drinker, and I'm not, but if you're a drinker, you know, you don't go out there and have excessive alcohol. Maybe any alcohol on a Friday night, even though that might be a traditional time for people to get together, because it will impact your game. If you were playing for the Rabbitohs in the grand final tomorrow, you wouldn't be out there hitting the booze tonight. You'd be getting ready for tomorrow. Little things like, you know, I I would never eat if I'm auctioning or working on a Saturday. I would never eat Um, food that has, you know, garlic, for example, in it because I don't want my clients to suffer on a Saturday morning off the back of that. So little things are really important and a professional agent that can earn more than almost any other human being on the planet needs to look, in my opinion, at these little things and get themselves ready and have a good early night and be ready, fresh, ready to go on a Saturday morning.
0: Okay, so one of the things that you make a very good point on there, Johnny, is that... um Saturday is grand final day, state of origin day. Use the metaphor that you know you can relate to, If tennis has been your thing, it's grand slam day. The point that we're making is that not every day is worth equal, is it? Because you've got six days in the week and a Saturday seems to hold more value and has a bigger impact to your revenue, to your income because you're actually uh, meeting more buyers and sellers on that day than most days of the week
1: almost every single agent will meet more buyers on a Saturday than they ever meet the rest of the five days, yeah.
0: Okay. So, um, takeaway points is the rest of Australia that work for corporations like myself, News Corp, uh, John, people are heading off to Surrey Hills and Paddington and they know that they're going to be having brunch at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning and sitting at a cafe and look, I've seen uh, real estate agents, John, have hangovers on Saturdays and they've actually said it's one of the worst things that they go through in in a year, having a hangover, a long day, your tolerance level of having conversations. But most importantly, I think what actually happens is people might not pick up that you've got a hangover, but they actually feel that you're not an energised person. Well, you
1: can't be. I mean, we know that people that have been affected and had a late night and whatever, whatever, they can't be at their best. So you've got to be mentally, emotionally, physically prepared for the next day. And if you want to be a world-class agent, you've got to treat it as though you're a world-class athlete and this is your game day or your grand final. So I think it's just really critical to be prepared, to be refreshed and be on the game. And we also chatted briefly about, <coughs> in preparation again, if you've got a ten fifteen open for inspection, you might want to have your pointer boards out by 8am. Um, if your council allows it and so forth, obviously subject to regulations. but. I want the people, I'm doing anything I can to get traffic to the site. So that's going to really help me let everyone in the community know, all the buyers know that I'm going to be there at ten fifteen to 11. So these things are really important standards.
0: John, with um, buyers coming through the open home, if a sales agent has got an assistant with them, um, do you think she or he should uh, have one person at one particular part of the house um, and is there a formula and science to it or are you more relaxed and say that you know, it depends on the number of people that come through and open and those yeah. sorts of things?
1: Um, I think it's essential that on at least on a Saturday you employ an assistant, even if it's on an hourly rate and someone that doesn't work with you Monday to Friday because I just think <coughs> in presenting the home, preparing it, taking names and numbers, all those sort of things, it's kind of a two-man game, I think, especially nowadays where... The market's getting hotter and there's more buyers coming through, I don't think one person can stand there, take everyone's name and number, hand out the brochures and deal with the inquiries. It's just too much. So, um, I think a couple of things is you've got to be there early. For me, 10 minutes before an open home is on time. Anything after that's running late.
0: People, because John, I noticed people, (coughs) buyers, they do get irritated when they're queuing up and the agent's sort of trying to put the keys in the door and they feel that um, things aren't just happening the way that they should be. You can tell the expression of people's faces saying, oh, typical real estate, I mean, can't get the keys in the door, we've been waiting here. The agent normally comes up with some sort of, oh, there was traffic on the the road. Yeah,
1: and, and not only is it bad to keep people waiting, horrible to keep people waiting, but I actually want to get in there and get the home prepped. And that takes me at least five minutes so I want to go in there. I want to open up blinds. I want to open up doors. I want to put the right music channel on or the right DVD. I want to put toilet lids down. I want to make sure that you know washing's in the basket. If anyone sort of uh, you know, running out, or if it's a tenanted property, it's not presented as well as I'd like it to be. I'm the presenter at that point, so I, I need to do a five minute styling job on that home. So when someone walks in, they get that beautiful first impression. Smells good. The music's right. They walk outside. Everything looks great. So that's really critical. Next thing is, it might sound like a funny little thing, but I always park 100 metres up the road. Right. Because I I want every available car spot close to that home to be possibly available for customers coming and going. So I don't like taking that up. I prefer to walk one minute down the road. third thing is I work in a team of two. Um, A couple of things. One is if I do need to have someone lock up or potentially get there a few minutes before me and help me present it, that's important most importantly though is they're there to take names and numbers Uh, and that allows me where do they stand I like them to stand either at the front door the property or the front gate reason being is often a buyer as they arrive they don't feel comfortable until they've been greeted and they've given their name because they know someone's going to ask them so they're kind of missing a bit of the property If, if you've got your assistant or if you're taking names and numbers and if you're halfway through the home people miss a bit of the experience so I like to create a first impression and have my assistant welcome them, take their details, introduce themselves, very important, most agents and many assistants don't introduce themselves. So really key to do that. The other tip Tom is bring all your previous open house lists from prior weeks to the property because often someone's pulling up and you've seen them and you knew they came two weeks ago but their names just slipped. I would always go back through and I often will put notes little identifying people either what car they arrived in or something about them and um, I'll remember. So then it's Mr and Mrs Panos, welcome back, great to see you, please come through. And that little thing of remembering or having a tool to help you remember someone's name, that creates a connection and people start feeling better about being with you and that you care. So I think that's really important.
0: you just given me uh, a, a, an idea that came up into my head about an agent that told me his PA um, was able to get his attention about a return visitor and they would write the word R next to the person's name as they'd come through and show them and the agent would say, welcome back, Chris, yeah. you know? Uh, because sometimes, John, with 40 or 50 people, it might be difficult to work out everyone, but the fact that you remember someone coming back amongst the big you know if it's been a 50 people open house people value that because it, it they, they either pick that there's a system in place or that the person's got a good memory
1: that's right and it doesn't really matter as long as it's, it's a good system it really doesn't matter so I think that's that's really professional and very important people love the same name of their sorry people love the sound of their own name and uh, they love being remembered so that, that's important to have a system in place to help you through that.
0: Okay, John, in terms of length of conversation, obviously an open home that's got seven people coming through versus 70 people coming through means that um, one's more about capturing data and getting back to them on Saturday afternoon or Monday, if that's what you do, um, if it's an open house that's got lots of people through it. If it's a small open house that's got six or seven, it gives you an opportunity with two or three of the people to have a, a longer conversation. Uh, what are you know some of the goals you think that you're trying to ascertain at an open home?
1: Look, I want everyone to have a great experience. I don't mind if they're carrying the shopping, they've just been down to IGA and they just happen to wander in, or whether they're a serious buyer or serious seller. For me, everyone is treated the same and respectfully and appropriately. So I think that's critical. I'm also very aware that a public open for inspection is a little bit public. And so I'm very careful not to discuss overly sensitive information or ask two direct questions of someone if they're in earshot, because they're going to feel uncomfortable. Um, so I'm mindful that if there is quite a crowd and everyone's you know, in close proximity, the questions I might ask might be very, very different. Then on a Wednesday, and let's face it midweek, sometimes one person shows up and that's it. Well, then you can have a more open and direct conversation with people. So I think you've got to be very sensitive to that. Because um, what you're
0: saying is that if there's something negative about the property and people start talking about it and then you've got an audience of seven, eight people listening in there, it's probably not in the right forum to be having that conversation with that yeah,
1: buyer. Yeah, th- that's one point, but also asking um, people something that could be sensitive as to their budget, just their budget. Sure. Some people don't want other people they might know or other people in Earshot to know what their budget is for a home. So I'm very mindful of the environment and how that feels. And there are some things I'll take offline. And I'll say, Tom, you know, why don't I give you a call on Monday? I'd love to discuss this property and just really understand what you're looking for. If this is not it, I'd love to find you another one. So I'm sensitive to asking people certain questions in certain circumstances, I think that's important.
0: Okay, John, in terms of what information you're gonna collect on the day, obviously their name is a given, but uh, phone numbers, emails
1: yeah look I find mobile number and name is enough especially if it's a busy environment um, as long as I can call them back on a Monday Monday used to be my day um, I think that you can work out for yourself whether it's Saturday Sunday or Monday is a better time to follow people through uh, and all can work I think Tuesday is starting to get too late and I think Wednesday you've you've lost the lost the opportunity to impress and to really get to understand them and by then you haven't had the feedback to give your vendors. Um, so my, um, my commitment was always by Monday afternoon, I had called everyone back that I'd met, or at least tried and left a message. You can't get everyone, of course, but uh, I'd done that. And um, I would take all the details, to their feedback on the form, and then when I spoke with the vendor or met with the vendor, I'd go through all the feedback in detail. Because that's a really big part of the selling process is the buyer's information and feedback has to be related specifically and exactly to the vendor, in my opinion, because then the vendor understands what people are saying. Yeah. So you know, that was always important. But I, I was I used to often deal with 100, 150 buyers on a on a Saturday. I've been fortunate to work in some pretty uh, vibrant markets and vibrant areas, where you know I'd be getting 30, 40 people per inspection or yeah. more.
0: And I, you know those big numbers at an open home, and not even they don't have to be that big. But I mean, I had my sister-in-law that was looking at a property in uh, Summerhill late last year. And I remember her calling me on the Saturday afternoon saying, oh, Tom, uh, it was a second inspection. She goes, Tom, there's a lot of people that want this property. Um, And she goes, I could tell. I mean, there are two elements there. There's social proof. Open homes allow that social proof that this is what people want. They want this home. And there's also the law of scarcity, isn't there, John? The fact that there's other people there that you can miss out. So it really does, I mean, I agree with your first point. Open homes are a, a fantastic way to capture buyers and to also to have buyers improve their, their perceived value of the property based on other people at the property.
1: Yeah, the, the, the comp- competition factor, I guess, the human competitiveness is, is an obvious one and I think that's really a, a good point to let people see a bit of competition. And you know, that's not to manipulate or overplay that, but I think it's good that people understand the property you're representing is popular. Um, and uh, you know, get people in that spirit of really wanting to own it and having them focus on their competition rather than trying to bring the client down. It certainly helps in your negotiation process. Okay.
0: Well, John, finally, before we uh, finish off here, in terms of speaking to these buyers, I mean, some people say to me they'd call them back on a Saturday afternoon. They believe they're intercepting decisions because people do make decisions on weekends and having an opportunity to talk to people on the Saturday afternoon to find out where they're at is better than Mondays. other people say, no, Monday's my blockout day, I'm Mm, focused, mm. I will make my callbacks and then report back to my vendors on the Monday evening. Have you got a view on that?
1: Not a fixed one, Tom. And in fact, the third thing is one of my top agents does it on a Sunday. Uh, and finds that's a day when most people are able to chat, they're not in business meetings and they've still got it fresh in their mind. I think be prepared to trial all three. I'm very cognizant of the need for balance and family and I think if you're working right through to a Saturday, the last thing you probably want to do or should be doing is into a Saturday night, bringing up people, bothering them and bothering your own family. Um, Sunday for me was kind of a rest day, both for me and for my clients, so I steered away from that personally and I just found Monday, it was a fantastic activity to get me focused for the week, was ring everyone back. And that normally worked for both my clients. So I would give the vendor a quick update at at a high level, what happened at the open for inspection on Saturday afternoon or Saturday night, and then I would give a more detailed view after I'd spoken to all the buyers on a Monday. So that was important, And, and they had my mobile number, so if the buyers did want to ring me and have a discussion on the weekend. Of course, if I identified someone that was on the precipice of making a decision and I felt that, you know, I really needed to get back to them and talk them through this particular property, I might do that, of course, on a Saturday. But generally speaking, my system was Saturdays auctions and opens and then Monday's callbacks.
0: And I know we've gone a little bit over this time, but I'd love just to finish off, John, because I think, you know, it is an important part of our work. You know, when you are making those callbacks to these people, I mean, just roughly what's the conversation uh, look like?
1: first thing is to identify, and the most important thing is, whether they're a potential buyer for that that home. And let's say that 90% won't be, because we know that 1 in 10 will be, and most of the others, that's not for them. So I I identify that, and I focus on the property. If they're that 1 in 10, that's really where I focus, because that's the commitment I have to my client. If they've advertised and attracted that person, obviously my job is to try and make sure, if they're a potential buyer, they can buy that home. Um, But of course the nine out of ten are still good buyers but probably not for that property for whatever reason. So I'm having a discussion, just I really want to understand what they're looking for if not that property, what they liked and didn't like because I want to be able to take that feedback back to my client so they understand where the market sees their property. I try and get as much as possible specific price feedback on that property because it is relevant. Even if someone's not interested, their view on value is relevant to me and probably relevant to my client. So I try and get that. And so I just figure that not many people wake up on a Saturday and say, nothing to do, let's go and see six open homes. They're doing it because they're a seller or a buyer and they want to do something soon. So my job is to identify, are they a buyer or a seller or both? Can I help them or not on the buy side or the sell side? And then that's just doing what we do best.
0: Yeah, a wonderful bit of dialogue I heard uh, Rick Rushton uh, once use. He said uh, to find out exactly where someone is, a simple question like... Guys, you came through at 27 Smith Street. Um, I'm curious, were you researching, buying, or selling at the moment? And that question alone was able to help him understand where he should spend his time and energy with that person. Yeah, great. Uh, Rick's
1: got some of the best dialogue I've heard. He's outstanding and and a great guy too. And I agree with you. It's a very simple question, and it's direct but not confronting. It actually just lets say, look, I'm here to help you. I just need to know what is your activity at the moment.
0: Okay, so uh, that brings us to the end of World Class Open Homes. John, thanks again. Thanks, Tom. I'll see you next time. Yeah, see ya.